If your child has read Homer and Virgil and Dante and Shakespeare and and the King James Bible, when they go to college, there's not going to be anybody in class that can compete with their education. Welcome to Classical Etc. You're in the studio with Memoria Press. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Classical Etc. I'm Jessica Gardner, and I am joined today by Paul Schaefer, Tanya Charlton, and Martin Cothran. And today we're going to be answering another listener question. And this one comes to us about how to change from one curriculum provider to Memoria Press curriculum. We're going to get practical and give you some guidance about how to navigate that change. But before we dive in, as always, the question we all love and hate to answer, what are we reading? (laughs) Martin, how about you? Uh, (laughs) I just, I I know this question is going to come up at the beginning of every program and I never prepare for it. So I'm always reaching for what it is I'm reading right now. I just read another Louis L'Amour book uh, just for fun. I always have kind of one going uh, at at any any one time. Bannon. Mm. Um, and, is that the know, title of the Louis, Louis Lamour book? That is the title yes. of the Louis Lamour book. Yes. Yes. I, I was like, all of a sudden, we were doing a new author? I wasn't sure. No, no. Okay, thank no, you. I, it, you know, it just, it, it's, it's, it, they're all morality tales. Mm. They're all told by somebody who's a master storyteller. I mean, I'm thinking, how many <clears throat> different kinds of stories can you write? They're all different. And it and it it reminds me, I tell, I tell, um, I, I'm writing I'm writing this little article. This reminds me of this. On basically, I get these books from boys. You should probably, I'm assuming, homeschool boys who are writing a book. They send you and they send their it to own me. written the book. manuscript. They the send manuscript. manuscript. Okay. They send it to me. And they're always the same kind of thing. They're always fantasies. Uh they're never the real the setting is always completely artificial mm. and it's because they haven't lived a real life <laughs> and yeah i realize yeah i realize that when i when you read something from these people jack london or louis lamore that's lamore's one definitely one of them who lived a real life they bummed around they went around the west they did they did stuff they they have experiences and so they can write an utterly believable setting mm. And and I'm I'm writing this letter just as a, it's a gen, generic letter saying, here's what you need to know if you send me your book. Okay, I, here, here's what I think I'm going to find. You have an unrealistic setting because you don't you don't know life yet. Uh, you have you know just just uh, sort of discouraging, but um, but I I find this to be true. Uh, is mm-hmm. that is that the writers of forty fifty years ago, longer I guess would even Lamore and some of these others, they could, they could write a good story because they had lived a real life and they had been places and they were, they were believable. And it, it struck me again, reading, reading Lamore that, that this guy knows so much. He knows about geography, just the way he describes a place in the West because he had been there and he had walked these places and all this kind of thing. They're, actually raises a really good question of like, let's say a hundred years ago, did anybody aspire to be an author when they were young or was this something that people came to later? I don't know the answer to that question, but right. Like 
publication is so easy now. Right. It is, but I do know, you know, when you read about the history of, of people like Jane Austen, you know that she did start writing as a child, mm. and there mm. are child stories that she's written. Okay. A lot of times after an author gets famous, they pull, they pull, they pull up that the, stuff out. Right, yes. but you couldn't self-publish. Like right. Oh, no. It's definitely easier now. I mean, anybody can get a book published now. Because it bypasses the whole process of somebody looking at your work and saying, Look, let me let's let's have a heart to heart here. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. But that, what, that's not happening. But what I'm thinking about what you've just said is this is exactly why we don't encourage journaling and creative writing in yes. young students yes. because it's just not a good use of their time. Mm-hmm. They really need to be immersing themselves in and learning those settings, have, learning learning yeah. the, yes, learning as much as possible. And then when they have some experience at that mm-hmm. point, then, um, and some wisdom mm-hmm. that comes with only with and, age. And then don't start out to write some big epic <laughs> that you have in your head. Write, write, start by writing short stories. This, this, this is very mm-hmm. common with authors. Almost all great authors have short stories. That's practice. Mm-hmm. Right, and they would you publish know? those like in magazines or periodicals. Yes, mm-hmm. right. And then when they saw that there was a good reception, then yes. they would yeah. expand from there. Yeah, that's right. And a lot, lot of, lot of novels came from a short story that they wrote, and mm-hmm. they just expanded it. Hmm. So Louis L'Amour. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Tanya, how's War and Peace? Page seven oh nine. We're getting there. <laughs> there was no page seven oh nine in the Louis L'Amour novel. <laughs> there was not. I am a little over halfway. And trekking on, you know, maybe every week I'll just give my page number and maybe people can start betting on how many pages I'll read each week. I don't know how to make this more interesting. <laughs> Not time is encouraging gambling on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, it's just going to be a war and peace for at least probably another month. Through the spring, maybe. Oh, I hope not. There's a book you got to live in I mean, I'm really trying to concentrate just on that book so I can get through it because if not, I won't. But but that was that was the part of Tolstoy's point, right? Like he wanted to immerse you in like mm-hmm. what it meant to live in Russia in this time, mm-hmm. and so you really have to spend time in it. To you do, and even I'm finding the war pieces more interesting now. Mm-hmm. That it's more about the, it really is more about the culture of you know right now where I am. They're getting ready to. Moscow's getting ready to be invaded, mm. they think. And so they're, you know, the towns near it, they're burning down. And, you know, it's more about the people rather than war strategy yeah. so much that I'm not well, that's all that a, interested in. And that's in. a book that, and I, I normally don't like this, where they go back and forth from the big theater, the big events. Yes. And then back to the small things. But again. he's done that very well. Yeah. Oh, no, I, it works mm-hmm. with him. I think mm-hmm. a lot of authors have copied that and not done as well doing that, but I think mm-hmm. he does. Absolutely. Mm. All right. Page 709. <laughs> <laughs> stay, oh. stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> uh, last weekend I needed something that wasn't War and Peace. And so <laughs> I picked up, uh, surprise, surprise, a Graham Greene novel, mm. uh, Our Man in Havana, which is, which is it's a wonderful that sounds book. so dated it's um well it's it's the story of this man this englishman in havana who gets approached by a british uh secret agent to be their agent in havana right our man in havana and the the guy in havana wants the money but he doesn't want to do it so he starts making up false reports and then 
then London starts getting like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on there. We really need to send more help. (laughs) And they send more help. And then all this starts at what he had reported starts actually happening. And so, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm over halfway through and it's, it's just delightful. It's, it's just fun. Um, so, so you're not reading war and peace at all right now. I intended to be reading war and peace during lunches and that doesn't happen. And Graham green at night. Have you and gotten to page seven? I was just going to say, no, <laughs> no, I'm at page 600 because it was our last book club meeting. Mm-hmm. Got to page 600 and you've stopped and I have stopped, but I was going to pick it up again this week, but then I had to read Rappuccini's daughter for you. Martin, but then we didn't even meet about Rappuccini's daughter. So, which oh. was that was actually a very nice short story. That's oh, a great it? one. We should do a pot on it. Um, hmm. I don't know what I think. I mean, that, that's by Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I need to discuss it because it leaves a lot of questions. I think, and um, but then, but then the rest of my week, I haven't had lunches to take. So I, right. um, but I'm. Not today. I don't have lunch today, but Monday I will be back at it. Back at so work, you can finish Graham Greene this weekend. Yes, hmm. weekend project. That's yeah, weekend fun amidst amidst all the yeah you know tree cutting and farm chores I have, but it'll probably get done. What are you reading? Yeah, well, what Graham Greene is to you, Immortals is to me, and what I <laughs> yes, <laughs> we can differ okay. on that. Except that he's only written three books true but here's yeah here's my news for today he is coming out with a short stories piece and it's going to be released in april okay and that is at least already done that well i can't another one he did right i don't think so these are going to be short stories about his characters and his fiction really Mm -hmm. like the rules of civility characters are in there so i I could be i'm a little hazy on the facts that's what i've read and i don't think you can get it yet so i need to reread the books Especially rules of civility because I don't yes. remember who the characters are. Tinker and mm-hmm. Katie. Mm-hmm. So, so were you were you rereading one of those three books? No, I'm no, not you're that just prepping. You're dedicated. Prepping. I'm just excited. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't. I can't find anywhere where you can buy it yet. Everything says it's coming out in April. Yeah, so what I, are you reading in the meantime? I'm still on Heinz Feet, oh, but okay. only because that's more of a. I like to kind of. Just mosey through it. Right. It's so yeah, rich. Because you've read it before. Right? Yeah. 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 And looking forward to April. Those short stories. Yeah, me too. So you, so you have or haven't read the all the novels yet? Oh, she's read the novels. I ha- I, I am. I own, or I, I don't. I have Lincoln Highway. Uh, you haven't read it? No. I got I the audio book, but it's 17 hours. No, read the book. Right, I, and I do, yeah, with a pencil in your hand. I think hand. there's only 708 Eight. pages. <laughs> but you can read, you know, I like to read a big book like that with the audio while I'm driving. Oh. Yeah, so but you have a longer commute, though, too. Oh, yes, true. Because right, I'm thinking yeah. 17 hours, that's jump change, you know, like with being in, in the car an hour a day. But, <laughs> Just sitting you know. on the ramp to 64 for 20 minutes. <laughs> right. You're <laughs> waiting to turn on your... <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, we have a terrific listener question today. And it came to us on our YouTube channel. Lindsay commented on our episode about grade packages that we just did a few weeks ago. And she asked if we could help her with practical tips to transition to Memoria Press curriculum from another provider. It's an excellent question. We get it all the time. And Tanya, I'd be curious to know. Can you answer from, you know, no matter where somebody is coming from, are there subjects that are generally easier 
to start with? Um, generally, like Latin for sure, is mm. because we have a beginning Latin course okay. for everybody in every age. Okay. So Latin's very easy if you haven't had any. Mm-hmm. Or if you're transitioning from a Latin, another Latin program to ours, then it really does, then you need to get help from us mm-hmm. so that we can see, you know, what the student knows and compare it. Mm-hmm. So generally Latin's pretty easy. Math is pretty easy mm-hmm. because our math program is so traditional mm-hmm. that uh, with our, in the younger years, our um, focus on math facts means that we aren't doing a lot of um difficult concepts that mm-hmm. would put a student behind. Hopefully, regardless of the math program people are using, they are doing math facts mm-hmm. and and really mastering those operations. And then, um, you know, fractions, decimals, percents, all that traditional sure. stuff. So that's pretty easy. The people that I've helped transition their math, the biggest thing in the other popular math programs out there that I've seen is that they really don't have a focus on math facts. So they'll hmm. so their children have been introduced to a lot of different concepts, which they haven't really mastered, but they're they're introduced to them and practice them some, but but they're not spending the time on on math facts that we do. So that's a really easy fix. Um, so math but, is pretty But that easy. does mean that when somebody comes and says, well, my, my child's already done that. Right. We, a lot of times we have to say, well, have they mastered it? Like, right. can, can they, can they do it accurately and quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know, time and time again? And they generally can't. They'll, mm-hmm. I had somebody come back to me at a homeschool convention the second year after we had had a thing. They were like, we're going to put our son in the higher level math because he's been mm-hmm. doing another popular program. And I feel like he's ahead of this. And they came back and said, we went back to the grade that he should have been in because we recognized that he did not know his math facts. And so we really had to spend a year getting there. So not not spending enough time in math facts means you end up spending a whole lot of time on math facts because you, you, it takes so much longer to do anything when there, yes, because you have to think the whole thing through rather than having it. It, Instant recall, right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it takes you longer to do your math if you don't have those math facts. Now. Well, and it's just, it's mm-hmm. math and Latin are the things where yes. the kids memorize so well when they're young mm-hmm. and so quickly that mm-hmm. it's just a great use of time to spend those years doing that memorization. Because when they're older, suddenly it's harder for them to memorize. It's crazy. It seems crazy that a second grader can memorize their math facts faster than a sixth grader. But it really is true. And the same thing with Latin grammar. Mm-hmm. I really, um, teaching third graders and then teaching sixth graders, the third graders, I mean, they were just like sponges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this new sixth graders coming in that hadn't had Latin before, it was harder for them. Hmm. So, and, and you, I don't know, Paul. You may do this because you're you work a farm, and there are occasions I would think to have to think about things and having to do just simple arithmetical things hmm. in your head all the time. I do too. I don't know why. Uh, I've been I've been doing some sh- putting some shelves in in my in a, in a house we moved into uh, late last year, and I I don't need a calculator. I can just and and. You just have a facility with it that allows mm-hmm. you to do math in your head. You don't need anything external. Sometimes you got to get the pencil out, and but usually you can do it in your head. And I do it a lot. And I, you know, what I do, you wouldn't think I would. 
I can't, I can't do it in my head. But Brian, but that you're making Brian's point. You know, he <laughs> gave our fifth graders a challenge um, to memorize their math facts from 13s through 20s, and I thought I was like. That is a total waste of their time. Who uses that? He said, I use 18s all the time, and I don't, I don't know why. Why 18? Well, I I, I, I mean, you're right. that It comes up all the time. I mean, I'm just thinking of like, if I know I need 15 pounds of a particular seed per acre, and I've got, you know, 12 acres that I need to plant it on, and I'm on the phone. I mean, this has happened to me uh, legitimately. I've been on the phone with the seed company saying, "I need the, I need." And you're figuring you in know your what head. I'm thinking. Oh, I need, I need 150. I need 180 pounds. You know, um, and now, granted, I mean, I I learned actually when I was like seventh or eighth grade. The school I was at did had a, a large emphasis on mental math, so they mm. kind of assumed because it started in seventh grade. They assumed you knew your math facts, but then they taught you some mental math tricks to be able to do larger numbers more quickly. Yes, and that that helps me out a lot. You know, if I'm if I'm thinking about you know, even, you know, salaries or pay or whatever and trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, what's a, what's an hourly rate. If you know there's about 2,000 working hours in a year and you know what they're making in a year, you can figure out their hourly rate. Like there's just, it whether it's business, whether it's farming, like it comes up all the time. And for some reason, I don't know, I don't know what occasion I have to use dates, but I, I do. So you'll like think, okay, so how many years was it from uh, 1970 or 1879 to 1963? And I'll subtract. 79 from the 100, get the difference, add that to the number, uh, right. the, the last two numbers and the other one. There's all these things, shortcuts you learn. And I realized, <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing it, but I was doing it when we'd go on trips. And I will sit there and I will look at the sign that says that such and such a place is so many miles down the road. And I'll calculate in my mind how long that's going to be going at 70 miles an hour. I just, I'm constantly doing that on a trip. Hmm. And hmm. just all this mental math. I used to do that some, but now with GPS, I just kind of let say, it tell me what time I'm going to arrive. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. All that stuff is so easy now I that know. it relieves and you of the necessity of having it to does, do it. But that's and you don't not get good. the practice. That's that's right. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking about that with regards to language because I, I was I was talking to somebody in French the other day about a, a rental scenario. They were from Haiti, and I, you know, and I was, mm-hmm. and and I thought, well. Once I get through this, then I can communicate over text and I could just use Google Translator or an AI generator to translate for me and I don't have to think about it. And I thought, you know, like that's just You're gonna lose further your atrophying right. my my that's French, right. which is already atrophied mm-hmm. for about ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, and do I really want to do that or do I Yeah, you it's know? a real shame, really, that we've done this. We're way off track, aren't we, Jessica? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we've got <laughs> delightful, but delightfully off track. <laughs> This whole, okay. this whole show so is all Back to your question. Um, literature is another one that's easy. That's right. Okay. For older students, okay. for beginning readers, we really have to think about our kindergarten program assumes that students are learning to read. By the end of kindergarten, they come out reading almost ready to read Little Bear. And so we have to make we have to figure out if a student coming into our first grade is ready to read Little Bear. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then we have to go back and do a little bit of our phonics program from kindergarten to catch them up. It's they catch up very quickly, Mm -hmm. but it is something I mean, you can't just you shouldn't just jump in to our first or second grade reading without checking Mm -hmm. after that. If they're pretty fluent readers Third grade and up mm. are, you know, pretty good. The only thing, the only caution I would say is 
that we did write the study guides to be pretty much on the grade level that we've put them in. So I wouldn't go up or down more than a year because the study guides are going to ask in the lower years, like third, fourth grade, they're going to be very concrete answers to questions, questions so, because we're training students how to find the answer in a book. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they may become more abstract. In the upper grades, we have Socratic discussion, which is really more elevated thinking, even above where some students may be. But mm-hmm. that's okay because that's supposed to be an oral discussion, and mm-hmm. that's the teacher leading the students to think more deeply. So mm-hmm. um, lit's pretty easy, but I would caution people mm-hmm. in the younger grades to to get some advice from our wonderful CSRs and they can help figure out exactly where you would need to be. Some people moving into third maybe aren't ready for farmer boy. So they so we would suggest that they start halfway through our second grade mm-hmm. and do more story time treasures just to be ready. Because well, one caution story times in first. Oh sorry. Oh to get ready for thank you. To get ready for second. They may not be ready to read Animal Folk Tales or Prairie School. And so, and but the same thing for third. We would mm-hmm. suggest maybe that they go back and read a second grade book to get ready. After that, they should be okay. You know, if they're a third grader that's an excellent reader and they just want to read, um, oh, I was going to say Lion the Witch, but it's fifth now, isn't it? If they would just really want to read Homer Price, then <laughs> chances are they'll be fine. Okay. The difficulty level's not going to be that different, but it is in K to two. But the one thing I'd say with third and up is that our, our books are generally um, like the, the order we, we put the books in, whether it's in the catalog or on the website or whatever is the order in which they're going to come in the year Mm -hmm. typically for literature, for literature. Mm -hmm. And so if you're worried about, um, you know, maybe reading Lassie in fifth grade, well, we're going to start with the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. Can they do that? If they can, then they're ready to start. And, th- and, then, and then they'll be ready for th- Lassie. That's right. By the time they get there. And the same thing I would say content-wise too. So um, like the medieval year, Adam of the Road is a pretty easy read. And it's a pretty simple book thematically. But by the end of that year, King Arthur is not. It's not an easy read. It is um, The content is much more... Um, mature because mm-hmm. we're dealing with adultery mm-hmm. um, and we're and betrayal mm-hmm. of people, and so um, but we feel like by the by the time we get there in that year after we've done Adam at the Road, Door in the Wall, Robin Hood, which is just a great adventure tale, they're ready for King Arthur, and then they're ready to move, you know, into even more mm-hmm. um, mature content but i would be careful about the content too you can't move to even though you've got a fluent reader you really don't want a third grader reading king arthur mm-hmm. because you have you're gonna have to deal with things of course they'll they won't they'll miss it they'll miss all mm-hmm. that stuff and that's a helpful reminder that in literature but in all of the grade packages there's a progression that's really mm-hmm. intentional there is Mm-hmm. and that's why yeah it's, it's so helpful to have this conversation to think about jumping in at any point are there are there some subjects that are typically more difficult to come into from some people get other really um, really messed up and confused about our classical studies because okay. if they're coming in as older students, say they're coming in and they're ready to read, they would be ready to read the Iliad. 
but they haven't studied Greek mythology. They haven't read the Trojan War. So they're really not ready to read the Iliad successfully Mm. without the help that we give. So we Mm -hmm. would suggest that they take the year before that first year with us to to do those things to to prepare themselves to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got this chart, right. which I marked mm. on the current catalog. It's on page 28 that every time it's in our catalog that has, and I guess it's probably on our website that gives you, um, if you're coming in late to our classical studies, it gives you a progression mm-hmm. that would work um, for older students, seventh, eighth grades. I wouldn't, I would just go ahead and I wouldn't use this chart, but for young students, mm-hmm. if you're fifth grade and you haven't done Greek myths, I'd go ahead and do it and consider that your year one. The thing is, there's so much time. Mm-hmm. You, I know that people feel like when they come in, oh no, I'm behind. You're not behind. When mm-hmm. you do our curriculum, where regardless of, I mean, Martin's got a certain books that that he says would be required reading, which would be Homer, the Iliad and the Odyssey, the Aeneid, Shakespeare, which you're going to get in from seventh grade on or eighth grade on, and, um, and the Bible, which, with, which we're studying with um, our Christian studies, and Dante. And so you're going, if you come in, even in ninth grade, you're going to get the majority of that done. And so that's enough. Our kids are then reading Cicero and they're reading Ovid and um, a lot Augustine. Those things are great, but they're not necessary. You're, if your child has read Homer and Virgil and Dante mm-hmm. and Shakespeare and and the King James Bible, when they go to college, there's not going to be anybody in class that can mm-hmm. that that can compete with mm-hmm. their education. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I I think people worry about that a lot. Like I don't have time to get it all. Or they worry that um that when they miss the if they're not doing the accelerated track that they've missed a year. You haven't missed anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that last year you really have missed nothing. You've done all the important things. Mm-hmm. Well, and also <clears throat> I mean, the other books that we have are are not necessary in the same way as those books. But <clears throat> I think it I mean, it seems like what we're doing is we're really trying to create readers uh, who will then go on and, you know, they have, they have been inured to some of the hard things in books and they're able to handle those so that it, it enables them to enjoy anything that they read. And, and so I think one of, one of our objects is to create readers, you know, kids that will go out of here after they've read all these things <clears throat> and know that books have something in them that books will now be attractive to them and that they'll, they'll have a reading life themselves, reading mm-hmm. all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I just happened to look down and catch logic here, Martin. I wanted to talk a little bit about logic too. Can I do that? Please. Um, or have Martin talk a little bit about it because people ask us all the time, mm-hmm. what, how do you prepare for traditional logic or material logic? If I haven't done your curriculum at all, is my child going to be prepared to take logic? Um, well, I think number one, th- th- I think the study of Latin helps. I mean, I, th- I think there's there's a there's a reason for that sequence, you know, Latin, logic, and rhetoric, um, because it's just creating, you know, la- Latin is is comp- complex, uh, and yet it's very regular, 
And so you're used to applying rules and, and, and things like that in Latin. There's, there's, you, you, you're learning grammar with Latin. And so I think that basis in grammar, uh, formal grammar, is the most important skill that you bring to the study of logic. And after that, it's, it's really just another subject, and it has its own rules and everything. But I think just doing something systematic mm. that, that where rules have been applied mm-hmm. is, is the most important uh, prerequisite. Would you say that math also would be on? Uh, yeah, math is another thing that would that be would very be, helpful. Because yeah. everybody's done math, right? Right. right. Latin is a, a qualitative subject, and math is a quantitative subject. That's a, the two things mm-hmm. that you can split up education uh, according to those two things. And so, yeah, math has, math does the same thing. You're applying rules and all that, but, but grammar is doing that with language and you are using grammatical concepts. You have to know what a subject is mm-hmm. and what a predicate is when you go to logic, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which and, is not in math. But. And we would say that if you only had one year to do logic, if you're coming in late in high school kind of thing, just get traditional logic one and two done. Mm-hmm material logic is good and it really i mean it's really a prerequisite for the philosophy program i've been working on for many years um, but chances are if you only have time for traditional logic you don't have time for metaphysics correct, correct. <laughs> but but insofar as like the the benefits to the the process of thought traditional logic formal logic is going to pay more dividends than material yeah because yeah, material logic is less uh systematic it's mm-hmm. it's really it's kind of a it's it's getting into formal philosophy i would say mm-hmm. a lot of philosophical concepts so the the logic is is a a study of how to think rationally and the rules for doing that and that's why you would put that before material logic mm-hmm. yeah. and martin i know <laughs> that even in your family you and your wife changed curriculum for your students. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about what that experience was like? Well, Any I was sitting there thinking about that, that actually, because you can one thing us? we haven't talked about is reading, yeah. which I think is hugely important. What do I do if I've, uh, if I haven't uh, done a really good solid phonics program, you know, and I've come into your program and you, you would have more to say about that. But what I would say is that, you know, what we did here, because, you know, there, there are programs out there that teach, phonics systematically. Um, the one that Cheryl gave me to use with my children um, was was a, a good program, structured right. It was a diff- It was a program that she before she'd written before hers. she wrote before she, hers. Yeah, before yeah. she had written hers. It wasn't she, first start yes, reading. She I'm gave. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and so you know, it, I could I could being an educator. I could sit down with that and I could figure out kind of what it was doing and what kind of needed to be done. And I was considering that as I was doing it, but somebody giving that program to somebody, the, the instruction system weren't very good. Right. Um, because it was a, 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 it was an Orton Gillingham type of reading program, which is one of the really two basic kinds um, of, of phonics, there's actually two kinds of phonics. The other is a sort of Spalding method where you're mm-hmm. learning a lot of rules before you are actually start practicing them with an Orton Gillingham. You're, you're practicing as you learn the rules mm-hmm. and, and there's only a limited number of rules. I think in the program that she gave me, there was nine rules and that was it. And they applied to 80, 90% of cases. Mm-hmm. And so you could learn to read pretty quickly. Uh, I, I taught my oldest son, how to read myself from that program. And he learned how to read really well. 
but but what Cheryl was so good at was pedagogy, mm. how this particular subject should be taught. And so she took the same concepts that were in that program and she really systematized them in a, in a way that just makes so much more logical sense and the instructions are so clear. And so I, I, I wouldn't, you know, and then with, with our other kids, we used another popular phonics program that was, that was pretty systematic. Uh, but, but our program, Cheryl, Cheryl was interesting because she would sit down and study something. <laughs> uh, and so where she really knew everything about it, she sat in and studied phonics mm. and she was actually working a little bit with Dan Coupland at Hillsdale college during that time and conversing with him about that stuff. And, um, learning some things from him as, and he later said that he learned a lot from her <laughs> and, and, um, and so, uh, so she, the structure of our program, I just, I don't know how you beat it. It's, mm. it's, uh, it's really the cleanest, easiest way to teach reading. Mm. But we were back in the day, we were having to use different programs because she was always telling me what to use too before, mm. as she was trying hard to get mm. what she thought would be the ideal written, what right. to her mm-hmm. right. was the ideal way to teach something. Mm. And we, mm-hmm. and, and then the, the, and, and, the way the way it's taught really, I think, helps spelling. And then she came out with the spelling program, right. and that was, you know. But that was even then, you know. <clears throat> she was she thought because because you want everything to be connected. Mm-hmm. So she really thought for a long time as she started working on this and thinking about spelling and getting the phonics program completed. She thought it would be really great if the spelling program could connect to our reading program. But mm-hmm. then one day she came to my desk and said, I've had an epiphany. <laughs> the reason this isn't working is because students are ready to read words they're not ready to spell yet. So they cannot be connected because we we don't want to hold the reading back until the, until they're ready to spell harder words. So then she developed the phonics for reading program and phonics for spelling program. So our first and second grade study guides have phonics exercises that we do before the students read that would that would show them words syllabicated that they'd never seen before don't, haven't been taught the concept and the spelling program really just had to stand alone mm-hmm. that would work incrementally toward more difficult words mm-hmm. and a focus on um teams and yeah, which blends is probably partly and, due to the nature of english mm-hmm. I mean, she explained to me one time why, like Maria Montessori, uh, in teaching in Italy, and where phonics in Italy, in Italian, and many of these other languages, it's a, it's, 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 it's pretty phonetic. You learn the sounds of the letters, and you do do some applications, and you're done. Whereas in English, we have all of these strange things mm-hmm. with it. And it's because of this, it's a much more complex thing right. to learn how to read phonetically because you mm-hmm. have letters that have four to five different sounds. Mm-hmm. And these other, a lot of these other languages don't have that. Mm-hmm. So they just learn the sound of the letters and boom, they're off and running. Mm-hmm. Whereas in English, you can't really do that. You've got, yeah. you've got to spend more time on it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like depending <clears throat> on maybe the age or the grade or stage of your child there you may be coming in at some foundational years and we can help you with how to transition if you're at maybe a critical point in like the the phonics stage but then beyond that if you're coming in we can help you 
no matter where you're coming from with how to land in particular subjects, there's always an entry point. Yes. For every subject, there is an entry point. It can be different. Right. It can be different. Like classical composition, you really need to start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that, Mm -hmm. so you can't just say, I'm going to get, I've got a child in the sixth grade, so I'm going to get Cray Maxim. That's not going to work. You really need to go back and mm-hmm. do at least the narrative before yeah, that. Yeah, because so, systematic subject and logic is the same. You can't do logic two mm-hmm. until you've done logic right. one. It builds. Right. So, so. we just, um, that's what we do. You know, we help people all day long with those things by email, by phone call. And um, and we really feel like our curriculum can be used by anybody. You know, mm-hmm. we've worked really, really hard to make that possible. but. Um, it can be confusing if you're just looking at the catalog or just looking at the website and trying to plug your child in. So I would just say, don't, you know, people just don't need to hesitate to think I'm behind. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these things just really do have a progression and you have to start at the beginning of that progression and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what makes people nervous. Our science is really easy to plug into mm-hmm. because our Grammar school science is literally our the primary is tied around read aloud books. Grammar school is literally you know you study insects for a year or trees or birds for a year. So if you've missed that, that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Or you could do it in the summer. I think we've said before, but um, so that's easy. Mm-hmm. And then you know you've, everybody does biology in ninth grade and chemistry in tenth and mm-hmm. yeah um, and the, and the. American modern studies is the same, like insofar as those years really stand alone. It's just, it's basic content, right? right. So So you can plug in, if you want to do European history in a year, we do American, that's fine. Right. And we've already, you know, maybe you've already done, you know, European geography and you need to go do the other, you know, content. So that, that's easier to, to figure out. So I think, and I think it's important to understand that distinction between these systematic subjects, which you can't start in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right. And non-systematic mm-hmm. subjects mm-hmm. like history and literature, you know, right. that you, 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 you have to start at the beginning and work your way through no matter where you're coming in. And if you mm-hmm. make, if you can make that distinction, that that's an important distinction to make. And the other thing is, you don't have to use a package. You don't have to use every subject. If you just want to to start Latin, mm-hmm. then we can provide lesson plans for that and in you know and the book that that would be appropriate for your child at whatever level mm-hmm. to start Latin. So or you could do three or four of our subjects now that we have that customized curriculum manual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it you yeah. know it's really easy to get whatever Memoria Press subjects you are using into one curriculum manual that's specifically for you. Mapped out. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to point out that uh, Tanya mentioned email and phone, but we're, you know we can also walk through this with you at homeschool conventions that we're at and mm-hmm. also the forum online. And mm-hmm. there you're not just going to get our input, but you're going to get the input of families that have done this. Yes, the mm-hmm. forum is an amazing tool. I'm glad you thought about that because mm-hmm. those are people helping each other all day and help, you know, better than we can mm-hmm. saying this is what, you know, if you, a lot of people will come on and say, I'm thinking about transitioning and I've got this mm-hmm. age child, mm-hmm. where would I start? And people will say, we started here mm-hmm. and they'll, and sometimes they'll say, this was a mistake. We should have mm-hmm. backed up. We were in too big of a rush mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, but they're, they're in the trenches together mm-hmm. and are so yeah. helpful. We have such wonderful people 
willing to take because they're busy. Mm-hmm. Homeschoolers are busy, mm-hmm. but they are they will take the time to write a thorough response mm-hmm. to people needing help. Mm-hmm. It really is a community. I'm it glad is a community. I was reading a, a thread of posts yesterday and someone said, My student is really interested in this. What should we do? And someone responded and said and asked a really good question so that there's dialogue. And I thought right. that's exactly right. It, it's just it is. it's a great it's a it's great helpful. help, yes. Mm-hmm. And our conference, mm-hmm. you know, to, I mean, just to come here in July mm-hmm. and and actually sit with us mm-hmm. for a couple of days, either as mm-hmm. a school or a homeschooler, either one. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we help schools all day mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. transitioning, which is possible. Mm-hmm. And some of the right. lesson plans and things that we have that are also that we've made available to homeschoolers, like we some of those things we developed for one school that was like, we want to transition, but we need, you know, here's where our kids are at. And we realized that's actually a broader problem than just this one school. Yes. And so, uh, you know, we really are willing to walk alongside in a very, you know, unique way with, with whoever wants to jump on board. Yeah. Good. And you mentioned our conference, mm-hmm. um, which is, you said July, which means it's yes. in the South. Um, I'm sorry. And what are the actual dates? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to pull a time. Oh, is it on here? here? I was going to say. It's on here. Memoria it's here, I guess. Oh, great. July 8th and 9th mm-hmm. is the homeschoolers. July, July 10th <laughs> is... Um, you just said you just said that the South is your people. I'm one of your people. I know. I just okay. I wanted to explain um, to our, our listeners. The tenth through the twelfth <laughs> is well. The tenth is pre conferences, so that's for everybody. If you just want to come sit in a like a Latin class all day long, um, you can do that as a homeschooler or a school. Mm-hmm. And then the eleventh and twelfth is specifically for teachers, though homeschoolers do stay for that also. Particularly, I mean, cottage anybody schools. can, but particularly people involved in, yeah, cottage schools, hybrid schools, one that, day or two day a week. Right. That, want tr- that are more. homeschoolers, but doing a traditional school setting one or two days a week. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a great discussion. And, oh, and this one. Oh, you the d- summer I can't conference. believe you let this go. Oh, Memorial College. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> two days. July, July, <laughs> July 10th, 10th and 11th. And 11th mm-hmm. Yeah, we're having, uh, well, you know, some of our students always come to that and we have some great speakers some of our mm. um we don't have a the uh itinerary fully laid out yet but uh, not we'll my all, fault. We always have i have good... been begging for months <laughs> uh, we we uh we always have a lot of our faculty there and, we and, and that's open to everybody right it's, open it everybody. is open yeah. to everybody yeah. so um and that is all of these things are taking place within that week and they are all we are Whichever days you're here, there are times when everybody's together as one community, whether you're a homeschooler or a school, mm-hmm. everybody sits together, eats together. Mm-hmm. We have plenary talks where everybody's together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it's really a good time to build community, but mm-hmm. you also have time where you can sit in workshops with groups of people who are doing exactly what you're doing, small mm-hmm. groups. You can meet with the teachers. You can look through every book we sell. By yes, thing. yeah, that's it's, right. It's helpful that's right. and talk helpful. to our our our, our entire staff right. is around. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't mention the online academy, Jessica. I can't believe you did. I mean, you all are li- really failing me. Yeah, 
<laughs> and so, so most of these subjects step, you can do online. And you can step in. I mean, That's you right. all help. Absolutely. People it's actually step very common. in where they need to be. That people don't have a background with us. And you but can they take need, one class right. or you can take a full. Definitely. Let me do your job for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this has been a great discussion. We've added things that are helpful for maybe schools thinking about transitioning to our program or even with one subject, whether it's a family or a, a group of people. Um, yeah, this has been a great discussion. Well, thanks for joining us. You can get more information on our website, memoriapress.com. And if you'd like to get a free magazine that we've been referencing, the catalog, you can sign up for free again at memoriapress.com and we will send that to you. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Classical Etc. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out all the other shows on the Memoria Press Podcast Network. This has been Classical Etc. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit us at memoriapress.com. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.